Section forty four of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph by Francis Sheridan. Volume three continued. I left Sir George with him and went out to inquire whether we could be provided with a coach and four, which after some delay was procured for us. We prevailed on Mr. Falkland, whilst it was getting ready, to take a little refreshment. He asked us by what means we were informed of his departure. Sir George, unwilling to let him know that his servant had discovered it, evaded the question, and only replied, "'Do you think, Falkland, that in the humour I left you I could be inattentive to your motions? I am not a madman, Bidolph. I must not be treated like one.' i do not think you one answered your brother but i know you are warm and too fearless of danger when the coach was ready mr falkland very willingly got into it with us he spoke but little and appeared very thoughtful during our journey the coachman stopped at an inn after we had driven about fifteen miles to bait his horses for a while he seemed startled at it and said he would not alight we told him there was no occasion, but your brother and I chose to go into the house, that he might not think we watched him. He seemed pleased at this, and smiled when we set forward again, but did not speak. When we arrived in London, now, sir, said I, we will, if you please, go directly to Mrs. Arnold's house, as I am sure your absenting yourself in the manner you did exceedingly afflicted her, so am I certain your return will give her sincere joy. I am ready, therefore, to attend you immediately to her, but if I may advise you, I think it were better that I should first see and talk to her. It will be proper to prepare her by giving at least one night to reflect on the important event which I expect will take place to-morrow. "'Sir George, what are your sentiments?' "'I am of your mind,' replied your brother. "'I think my sister ought by all means to have so much time given her for reflection.' "'If Falkland has no objection to it, we will go to my friend's house, where he was before. "'When you have seen my sister, you may come to us there with her determination.' "'I have submitted myself for the present,' answered Mr. Falkland, "'to your guidance. "'To-morrow, remember, I am to be at liberty. "'Bidolph, beware how you watch my motions again.' "'Your brother then directed the coachman to his friend's house, "'Mr. Falkland not opposing the motion. "'I went in for a few minutes merely to satisfy myself "'in what manner Mr. Falkland had escaped from thence "'in order to inform you.' Mr. Falkland was very urgent with me to go to you. "'Keep me not long in suspense, sir,' said he. "'I may as well know my fate to-night as to-morrow.' I left him with a promise to return with your final answer. You know my sentiments, you know your brother's, and it rests on you to pronounce a sentence of life or death, for your answer imports no less.' on a man who is worthy of the greatest queen in the universe. What do you say, Mrs. Arnold? Must Falkland die? Heaven forbid, cried I. No, sir, I should be inflexible indeed, if after what you have told me I were any longer to resist. I yield, sir, to your request, 
to Mr. Falklands and to my brothers, and I will own at the same time that my heart strongly impels me to consent. Yet, my dear sir, believe me, I should have resisted that impulse if I could hope that my refusal would not be followed by consequences too dreadful to be thought on. There is therefore no alternative. I must be the wife of Mr. Falkland. The sooner the affair is finished, then, the better, said he. Falkland stands here on slippery ground. Perhaps some of the Bond family may by this time be arrived in England, and in pursuit of him. Therefore, let your marriage be dispatched immediately, and send him away directly to Holland. I suppose, when he is made sure of you, he may be prevailed on to go without you. Oh, sir, said I, urge this request to him, I beseech you. It is the last importance to me that he should comply with it, and the only preliminary that I have now to make to our marriage. Yes, yes, answered my kinsman, I think we shall convince him of the necessity of this. I shall escort you to Holland myself, for I have business at Rotterdam, and I had thoughts of taking the voyage if this occasion had not offered. We will but just stay to settle some affairs here, and observe what measures can be taken for his service, and then follow him. Take courage, my dear, continued he, seeing me look sad, all may come right yet. I love out-of-the-way adventures, and this I think is one. We will live like princes, let us go where we will. I only wish that your brother were against the match, that I might have the more pleasure in forwarding it but I need not grudge him that once in his life he has shown some token of generosity. I will return to Falkland. I long to set his noble heart at ease. Strange, perverse creatures your sex are. It amazes me that anything could tempt you to reject such a man. Were I a woman, I should run mad for him. Well, I will go to him and let him know without any further demurs you will give him your hand tomorrow morning. Our honest friend Price, I think, may join you. I will call on him after I have seen Falkland, to bid him prepare for the business. I will myself have the pleasure of giving you away. Good-bye. And away he went, with a pleased, busy countenance. I took up my pen as soon as he departed, and have scribbled thus far without suffering any reflections to stop me. Let me now lay down my pen to pause before I leap into the frightful precipice that opens before me to-morrow. Ah, my Cecilia, what is that morrow to produce? It joins me for ever to Mr. Falkland, the chosen of my heart, my first love, the man who adores me, who deserves all my affection who has obliged me beyond all recompense, who has a claim to my warmest gratitude, to my esteem, to my whole heart. I save his life, I have the power to make him happy, my brother, my kinsman urges me, my own heart too prompts me. Why cannot I then reconcile myself to my lot? Oh, that question is answered by a fearful image that starts up to my fancy. I am not superstitious, yet, believe me, my dear, I am at this instant chilled with horror. 
I am ashamed to confess my weakness, but I must call Patty to sit with me the remainder of the night. I cannot think of rest. Wednesday morning. I have passed the whole night in endeavouring to fortify my mind against the important event that a few hours will accomplish. If Mr. Falkland's mind should again become tranquil, which my kinsman gave me room to hope would be the consequence of gratifying the ardent wish of his soul, I must take care not to disturb it by showing any reluctance in yielding him my hand. Had an angel once told me that I should give my hand reluctantly to Mr. Falkland, I should not have believed it. Yet fatally circumstanced as our marriage now is, it cannot be otherwise. And yet I ought to be his. I owe him a great sacrifice, and I am about to pay it. I am dressed and ready. I wait for my kinsman, or my brother, one of whom, or both perhaps, will be here presently. Mr. Warner is come. I have but just time to tell you that my brother and Mr. Price are with Mr. Falkland. My kinsman says he is quite a new man. They wait for me. I go. Heaven guide my steps. Thursday. My fate is accomplished. What a change! Join with me, my dear Cecilia, in beseeching heaven to look graciously down on me in my new state, and to guide and protect my beloved Mr. Falkland, my ever-destined husband. Alas, my dear, he is now many miles separated from me. The worthy Mr. Price performed the sacred ceremony. Mr. Warner did the office of a father. He and my brother were all who were present. There is something so amazing in all this, I can scarce credit my senses, but my life has been a series of strange, strange events. I am so bewildered I cannot connect my thoughts, but I will try to give you my yesterday's vision, for I can hardly persuade myself that what I recollect really happened. I broke off just as Mr. Warner called on me to carry me to the house of my brother's friend. While we were in the coach he told me that having the night before informed Mr. Falkland of the joyful news of my consenting to marry him the next day, he seemed at first to doubt, and repeatedly conjured him not to deceive him, till having received the most solemn assurances of it being true, Mr. Falkland gave himself up to such ecstasies as made them apprehensive his joy might have effects almost as fatal in their consequences as his despair was likely to produce before. Mr. Warner had a mind to lower him a little, and thought by putting him in mind of his danger somewhat to allay his transports. Mrs. Arnold's consent to make you happy, said he, fills me with extreme joy, but it is not now a time to indulge it. You are here in peril of your life. You must preserve it now for Mrs. Arnold's sake. For Mrs. Arnold's sake, he replied with ecstasy. Yes, yes, tis now worth preserving. Mr. Warner, kinsman, friend of my life, grasping his hand, dispose of me as you please. You shall guide all my steps. Will not Mrs. Arnold go with me after we are made one? If, after having considered what may be urged to you on that head, you should still continue to desire it, replied my cousin, she will without doubt accompany you. 
but my dear sir consider circumstance as you now are what will the world say should she accompany your flight it will fix an indelible stain on her character which is dearer to her than life and which i am sure upon cooler thoughts you will prize at an equal value this marriage will be a profound secret to the world it may remain so as long as we please i have business in holland which will demand my presence there in a very short time her accompanying me thither can give rise to no suspicion i will dispatch my affairs with all possible speed and conduct her to you the joy that before lighted up his countenance pursued my cousin seemed a little clouded he took a turn or two about the room as if to consider of what i had said then addressing himself jointly to your brother and me you are both cooler than i am perhaps you may judge better let me but call her mine i will then do as you would have me i cannot determine on anything now as soon as my sister and you are married said sir george i think falkland you ought to get out of england with all the speed you can it will be but a short absence sydney will soon follow you what do you purpose doing in regard to your son i had forgot him cried mr falkland poor child my heart has been in such tumult since mr warner came in that i could think of nothing but the blessed news he has brought me but i must not neglect my boy i will write to the honest servant that i left behind he shall bring him over you my dear biddulph will take care of him till an opportunity offers of sending him to me i hope there will be no need replied your brother of sending him out of england your affairs may yet turn out so as to permit your return into your own country impossible interrupted mr falkland if smith should ever recover his representation of the other accidents cuts off every hope he will not for his own sake confess the truth but impute the error of my fatal hand to premeditated guilt heaven knows base as she was i would not have attempted her life but i was born to be an avenger of those crimes into the commission of which i perhaps first led her as for the contemptible villain who wronged me i do not repent the punishment i inflicted on him though probably had i been allowed a moment's time for recollection i might have taken vengeance in a manner more worthy of myself i was delighted proceeded mr warner to find him so cool and rational in his reflections he continued talking calmly and reasonably on the subject of his misfortunes but on the mention of your name started again into raptures but they now seemed to be only those of joy upon the prospect of what was to happen the next day after i left him i went to mr price who promised to be in readiness at the appointed hour we were now got to the house of my brother's friend mr warner led me upstairs into the room where sir george mr falkland and mr price were sitting together mr falkland was so agitated at the sight of me that having risen to salute me he was not able to speak but seizing both my hands he kissed them fervently one after the other tears dropping on them as he held them to his lips every one was silent we were all too much affected to speak 
my brother was the first that broke silence well falkland said he have we not kept our promise mr falkland turned towards him oh biddulph forgive me for doubting i am afraid i have used you ill can you pardon the madness that i was driven to by despair mr warner mrs arnold i believe you think me distracted indeed i am not i was only and he seemed to hesitate for a word weary of life i thought i had lost everything the world was grown a desert no one in it for me you formed a wrong judgment my dear sir answered mr warner you find yourself now with your sincere friends sir george and myself are both so and your bride your dear mrs arnold is ready to give you her hand i am sir said i and if your happiness still depends on me it gives me joy that i have at length the power of bestowing it i have no words he replied i can find none it is all here and he laid his hand on his heart his eyes fixed with delight on my face i beheld him now my cecilia in a light in which i had never before viewed him overwhelmed by misfortunes of which i accused myself as being the author i saw him an exile likely to be deprived of a noble fortune his heart pierced with remorse for an involuntary crime i saw too that he loved me loved me with a fervent and inconquerable passion of this in the anguish of his soul at a time when he was wrought up to frenzy he had given but too strong demonstration shall i own it to you my cecilia i think i never loved him as i did in that moment my heart was at once assailed by a variety of passions amongst which gratitude and the softest compassion were predominant i continued silent while mr falkland remained ardently gazing at me my brother i believe thought us too solemn the occasion indeed required it but his fears for mr falkland made him wish to give the scene a livelier turn come sister said he let us not defer the happy event for which we are now met we have no time to waste in ceremony you remember what our mother used to say many things fall out between the cup and the lip my brother rose off his chair as he said this mr warner taking the hint approached and took me by the hand let me said he to mr falkland have the happiness of bestowing this best of creatures on the man that i think best deserves her mr falkland made no reply but in taking the hand that my kinsman put into his his looks spoke the rapture that swelled his heart though i saw he put a constraint upon himself and endeavoured to assume a deportment suitable to the important and solemn occasion after the indissoluble knot was tied my brother desired mr falkland to retire with him into the next room for a few moments i concluded it was in order to press his departure and to prevail on him to submit to going without me this i found afterwards was the subject of their conversation 
they returned to us in about a quarter of an hour mr falkland's countenance less embarrassed than it was at going out of the room on their entering mr price took his leave my brother addressed mr warner and me falkland said he is convinced of the necessity there is for his immediately withdrawing from england and he is determined to depart from hence at three o'clock to-morrow morning for i would by no means have him leave london by daylight as we know not who may be on the watch to trace his steps he has consented that you sister should remain behind till mr warner's affairs will permit him to conduct you over in the meantime master falkland is to be brought from ireland and if you should not be ready to depart before his arrival you may take him over with you to holland mr falkland seemed rather to suffer my brother to make this explanation for him than to assent cheerfully to it mr warner and i however laid hold of it and immediately entered into discourse on the subject of our domestic concerns and the measures proper to be observed on so critical an occasion mr falkland joined in the conversation with the utmost composure and to my unspeakable joy seemed perfectly settled and collected in his mind i thought indeed he appeared a little constrained and that he seemed to keep a constant guard over himself lest he should betray any symptom of a too much heated imagination but my kinsman afterwards observed with pleasure to me that this denoted nothing more than a consciousness in mr falkland of the unhappy wandering that had before so much alarmed us all and into which he was sure there was not the least danger of his relapsing as his heart was now perfectly at ease mr falkland told us he had letters to write to ireland which he would dispatch that he might have nothing to interrupt the few short hours we had to pass together in the evening mr warner said he had business to do that called him away but that he would return after dinner and my brother that mr falkland might be quite undisturbed proposed my going home with him and that we should come back together in the afternoon mr falkland did not object to this and i went with sir george we returned early in the afternoon to mr falkland as my brother had let his friend into our secret we passed upstairs without any notice being taken of us mr falkland had writ two letters one of them very long to mr bond which he gave my brother to read but i know not the contents of it the other was to that careful honest servant whom he had mentioned to us with orders to bring over master falkland with all convenient speed and put him into sir george's hands mr warner but just called in upon us in the evening he said he had been making the necessary preparations for mr falkland's journey and that having resolved himself to attend him as far as harwich he would at the hour appointed call on him in a coach which should carry them a few miles out of town where the horses were to wait for them worthy compassionate and generous kinsman how i love you for the honest warmth of your heart my brother and mr falkland had a great deal of discourse about the necessary measures that were to be taken by us all and we passed the evening in a kind of chastened satisfaction which could not arise to happiness from the near prospect we had of parting about ten o'clock my brother took an affectionate leave of his friend he excused himself from accompanying him on his journey on account of lady sarah's not being well 
to see such a parting would at another time have deeply affected me but my own hour of separation drew near it came and mr warner punctual to his time hurried mr falkland almost by force into the coach and drove off with him i threw myself into a chair which he had ordered for me and was carried home i went not to bed but had recourse to my pen god preserve my dear fugitive i can do nothing but weep july the second my mind was too much unsettled yesterday to dictate anything coherent i am now thank heaven more composed sir george and lady sarah have been with me during the greatest part of the day both kind and consoling my brother seems to have all his former affection for me revived in his heart he is indeed charmed with my justice as he calls it lady sarah who at the bottom of her heart is no way concerned about this event affects however to think as her husband does and commends me for my generosity i feel myself easier in proportion as i think mr falkland gets farther out of the reach of danger sir george says by this time he may be on his voyage i shall certainly wait till the child arrives in order to take him with me my two little girls will be fond of such a brother for he is a charming boy my brother flatters me with a possibility at least of major smith's recovering and if so he says that mr falkland may stand his trial for the other accident as he is in hopes smith will not persist in his villainy so far as to add perjury to his other crimes i have but little expectations of justice from so bad a man but i would not discourage my friends in their endeavours to comfort me july the third mr warner is returned from harwich after having seen mr falkland safe on board the packet and even under sail for holland what a benevolent heart has this good relation of mine indeed i dearly love and respect him his return has revived my spirits and i begin to lose my fears he brought me a short letter from mr falkland short it is but his heart speaks in every syllable of it i will not give you the contents my cecilia you will think it too extravagant too romantic for a husband to write so to his wife july the sixth i long yet dread to hear accounts from ireland i fear that wretched smith is dead no mail has arrived from thence these eight days contrary winds they tell me detain the packets on the other side very often for a fortnight together if that be so how fortunate was mr falkland in seizing on a lucky hour for his departure from the irish shore i suppose mr bond's family whom he must have rendered very unhappy particularly the daughter are all now his implacable enemies and are tormenting themselves in being detained from the pursuit of their vengeance but let them come now when they will he is far out of the reach of his foes i would it were possible for my cecilia to arrive in england before my departure for holland indeed my dear i shall not be sorry if i am detained from mr falkland till i have the happiness of first embracing you as our separation may be afterwards of a long continuance i shall wait for the arrival of master falkland and who knows but adverse winds may detain him till your return oh that i may pass though it be but one day with the dear companion of my youth before we are again divided
i will not send this packet off till i am ready to depart from england as that will be closing an important period of my life what would i give that my dearest friend would come and instead of this tedious narrative which i have written receive the account from my own lips if my wishes should not be granted in this cannot you make holland your way home mr falkland purposes staying at the hague till i go to him End of section 44